0: to the cloud. Awesome. Okay, so hello everyone. Welcome to another chat and learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella and I'm super excited uh, to spend this next hour with you. I've got Uh, I had the chance to chat offline with our guest speaker, Malika, who's calling from California. I'm calling from Argentina. We've got people calling from all over now who are joining us. Um, I'm just going to give you all a shout out here. So we've got Brazil representing, Vancouver, uh, North Carolina, Brooklyn, New York, San Jose, California, Boston, Massachusetts, someone else from San Jose. Awesome. So if you're just joining us, um, feel free to make use of this chat box. You're here for the next hour. We really want you to participate. This is not meant to be something that you just press play and watch someone speak at you. You're here live with us so I can't stress enough and actually I'm going to sound like a broken record by the end of this chat. Um, Please, please, you know, write your comments, add your opinions to the chat box. Um, I've muted everyone upon entrance uh, just to avoid any background noise but I can't stress enough that, you know, you are welcome to unmute yourself at any point. Uh, Turn your camera on. I see that some of you have already turned your cameras on so I really appreciate that. Hey Jen, I see you. Um, So I just want to go over just a couple of housekeeping rules. I've already mentioned a few, but um, you know, we can't stress enough that we want you to participate. So turn your cameras on, you know, take yourself off of mute. um, And if you have anything that's sensitive and you want to uh, keep it anonymous, feel free to write to me. You'll find me under Mariella. Write to me anonymously, and I will flag that to our guest speaker so that she can approach your your comment. um, live here on the chat, and then the last thing I'll say is that this is being recorded. So I know we live in you know multitask central these days, and I just really invite everyone to be present with us. You know, you don't need to really take notes right now as this is being recorded. You can rewatch this on Power to Fly later. Um, so you know, we really value your participation, um, and you know, visibility is key. The revolution is happening now, so we would love to see your beautiful faces um, if you want to turn your camera on. No pressure, of course, but. Okay, so with that said, um, let's jump right into meeting our guest speaker. Malika, I'm not going to read what's on the screen here. I I would love to pass the mic to you and just ask you, um, you know, how did you come to learn about Power to Fly and what you're excited to share with us today?
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mariella. So uh, I have been a consumer of Power to Fly and all the wonderful events that you guys host, um, especially the chat and learn and the office hour sessions. And I have hugely benefited from it, you know. So that's the place that I'm coming from today. Uh, there's a lot of gratitude. I have literally benefited uh, directly, practically uh, out of the sessions that I've heard to, influenced by some of the speakers. And, you know, so many of the sessions I would Sit there thinking, "Hey, I want to do that sometime." The day I have something interesting to share, where I, that's genuine and authentic, I'm going to reach out to these guys and I want to talk. Um, so that's that's what power to fly means to me. And today, what I want to share is, um, you know. Um, In the last two and a half years or so, um, in my journey of being an engineering manager, I have come across certain uh, stereotypes, certain binary stereotypes, you know, where, um, you know, if you're one thing, uh, people expect you almost to not be the other, but whereas if you're actually both of those, you're going to be more effective as a leader. That's something that I'm truly passionate about, just bringing your complete self to your life every day, not only your work life, but how can you just practice that wholeness? Um, That's one thing. And the other thing is, I just want to um, express my being there for my audience and everyone who might, uh, uh, you know, go through this video later. I'm here to kind of even answer your questions. If you're going through this journey of transitioning from being an IC to a manager or some of the early problems we face as a manager, um, you know, how can, we have a discussion around that. I'm completely reachable. Um, You know, I've been someone who's very, uh, who's been very passionate about computer science, Uh, being a great uh, software engineer. uh, I've always strived to be one. Uh, And now as a leader, I get to work with my team and lead that team to, you know, accomplish the goals that we have set. So um, I know a thing or two, and I'd be very happy to share whatever I know, um, you know, to any of you who might reach out to me. So That's what this slide slide is about, me just being there for you guys.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Malika. Thank you for sharing time and knowledge with us today. Um, So um, at the end of this chat, we will show uh, different links so that you can get connected with Malika. Um, Also, we'll send you a rewatch video um, email so that you can have uh, the links there as well that she'll be mentioning throughout the chat. Um, And you all are also welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn um, as well. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I I love using these opportunities to get us to actually, you know, put that into action live. So um, I'll invite our live callers as well to drop in the chat box any way that you would like folks to get connected with you if you have a website or if you have a LinkedIn you know let's let's keep this mojo flowing um, and support each other so with that said you all have submitted some beautiful questions offline Um, we are going to roll through this next hour taking them one by one and actually you know let's start with this first question here if you see your question appear on the screen Um, Feel free to unmute yourselves Um, and if this is not your question uh, and it brings, you know, maybe you dreamt about something last night and you want to, you know, have an impromptu conversation, that you have the freedom to do that. So, you know, please feel free to unmute yourself and share knowledge as well. So let's jump into this first question, Malika. How do you maximize your opportunities to find jobs which appeal to you in terms of your values?
1: Yes, uh, this is a great question. And to be honest, I'll tell you uh, something. Uh, When I was an IC, I wasn't even thinking about this much, you know, uh, all that I cared about was What are they doing? What is the engineering team doing? How challenging uh, is the work going to be? What's the tech stack? And, um, you know, it was it was just me, I was not paying too much attention to the values aspect of it. Uh, Here's how I think about it right now. Um, So first thing is build your network before you need it uh, we all um, are influenced by certain kind of people uh, we have worked with people that we admire and uh, they are they are on linkedin uh, it's it, especially in today's day, it's so easy to keep connected um, with the people that, uh, you know, who you set as your references. So be in touch with them. Um, If if there is an opportunity to learn from them, uh, even before you are in the job market, uh, connect with them, have a conversation, keep it authentic, Uh, ask them if, you know, they can mentor you or uh, they can coach you, Uh, share your uh, career aspirational goals with them and ask them how, you can get there. Uh, basically, just start building your network even before you need it. Um, and I say this because we all know people with whom maybe we we share a set of core values, right? Um, so look for those uh, pointers. Um, they're all good milestones just to kind of uh, keep building along the way. So definitely, you know, we have no uh, reason. Uh, we don't have any pretext to not do it in in today's day, right? LinkedIn is a wonderful tool. Email, reach out to people and be genuinely connected with them. The second thing is... Um, Just be aware of, you know, the products that you're using. If you're using, uh, we're all using um, the products that um, we are potential companies that we might want to work for in the future, right? Maybe Google, maybe Twitter, uh, maybe uh, so many of the products that we have used. LinkedIn is a great example. I'm just giving you a very small set, but the the list is very big. Uh, You would have used these products. See how you're reacting to them. See how it's actually, um, you know, connecting with you. Are there certain features on this product that are talking to you louder than... Uh, the other features do you understand this uh, product really well, and then what happens that time is uh, if you are um, uh, if you are connected to a product uh, more deeply, then probably that 's a good company for you to consider to work on in the future right so keep make keep making these points in your head even before you are in the job market. It never helps if you know if you start thinking about these things once you are in the waters um, you, you keep thinking about it. All the time, and then once you like these companies, what I did was I would actually go and study their core values on their website, um, and uh, um, and then for that, what is really important is you should also know what your core values are. You know, what is it that is really important to you at work? For example, for me, it's very important that um, you know I um, uh, I uh, I put I am in a situation I am in a atmosphere where I can put my team. Before, um, you know, my own interests, the company should be able to uh, make way for that uh, make way for that servant leadership um, attitude. Uh, That's one thing that's very important where I have resources, I have everything that I need to kind of help my team grow. The other thing is simplifying complexity. That's my core value. I do that even outside work. So, you know, just listing out these core values, thinking about them, make a list of it, write it down in a notebook, and then think about it maybe for a week and then look for companies where you know there is a match between, and it's it's probably never going to be a perfect match, but at least if you're gonna match at least, you know, a few on your list, it's a great thing. And then when the time comes to really start applying for your jobs, really Out to the recruiters, reach out to the team, make connections, send them genuine connection notes when you connect with them on LinkedIn and tell them why you are interested. Tell them that there is you're seeing an alignment at the core value level. At least that's how I did it. It started off with you knowing what your core values are, what is it that's important to you, and then uh, working on it before you need it. You know, just uh, keep forming your opinions. When the time comes to make the decision, you have all the corollaries in your headset. Um, And uh, to wrap this point up, I would say that, you know, as an engineering manager, this is very important for me. It's very hard for me, I would never work for a company where I don't see an alignment with the core values, because The mission of the company, the vision of the company uh, translates to the strategies and the strategies become my tactics and my execution processes as a manager. So it's very important I align with the core values. So whoever is asking this question. Cheers to you because you're thinking about it in the right way. That's what hiring managers really want you to think about, you know, is there an alignment at the top layer. So yeah. Yes, that I would be that. my summary.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that. And I actually just dropped in the chat box, what are some of your core values? Because I know that um, uh, Malika is challenging you all to write, write them down, you know, and to reflect on them and then to do your research. I'm just curious to know right now, what, are, what have been some of your core values? And let's just see how we actually align or don't align just being live callers um today in this hour chat. So someone here has written, I'm just going to read here. One, one for me is cross-depth Uh, cross department collaboration awareness. Um, Siloed working has been the source of plenty of pain points and slow downs over the years. A company that supports cross team working is very important to me now. Do you wanna reply on that Malika?
1: Yes, collaboration, right, Uh, especially uh, I think in today's companies leading cross functional projects is such a big thing. And it has its own challenges, you know, if um, top to bottom if the company doesn't support the right kind of communication, the transparency in uh, in the communication methods, uh, or even the authenticity, if it's not encouraged, right? How do you practice things like radical candor when you're giving feedback? If it's not supported by uh, your managers upstream, it's very hard for you as a manager to practice it with your downstream team. So especially when you're leading a cross-functional where necessarily sometimes you don't have the authority or you're not directly responsible for the stakeholders you're working with, you only have influence. You can only work with influence, right? How do you use your social capital? Uh, is the company encouraging you to build on these skills like, you know, negotiation skills, collaboration skills? Um, these are very important. And if that that is not what the company values, it will it's probably not going to fly well, right? It's not probably a good fit for you because you value collaboration. You value authenticity. You're a big fan of uh, practicing radical candor and feedback. And um, it has to be a two-way street. It's always like, you know, the employee and the employer relationship is, it's a very tight-knit one. So that's a great point. I love it.
0: Yes, I do too. Thanks, Jen, for dropping that in the chat box. Uh, We have Josephine here has written such an interesting answer. Uh, Thank you. Um, And she has said here, for me, it's important to work in a company where they don't generalize about customers or employees. Do you want to respond to that, Malika?
1: Oh, that's a very interesting uh, comment, Josephine. Um, Would you mind, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Uh, I I just want to understand the crux of the question correctly. No, I think, sorry, hi. Hi. Um, No,
0: the the point that I'm making is I would really hate to work in an office where um, You know, they identify certain traits about an employee and they decide that um, that might be, you know, the reason why they're behaving in a certain way or something like that, based off the fact that they're like a woman or based off the fact that they're from such a country or whatever. Um, Because not only is that really frustrating to work around, but then you also feel like the product will be based on that mentality and it might not be fun to work on because...
1: Oh my God, that is such a lovely point. Thank you for elaborating on that because, um, you know, I'm also very passionate about this. I I see biases... uh, all the time, different kinds of biases and not everything is very pronounced, right? Uh, Sometimes it's very gray, uh, but it's there, especially if you're building a product that uh, a lot of people, like millions and billions of people all around the world will be using, then you need to build your team in such a way that um, it reflects that diversity. It reflects that inclusion Uh, and diversity and inclusion are not the same thing, Um, right? Uh, So uh, can you make sure that you have a sample of that, Uh, are you striving as an engineer to have uh, enough diversity inside your team so that the bias gets uh, removed or at least um, minimized to a large extent? And uh, the example that you gave is just, uh, it's, Uh, it's a real one, right? Uh, uh, Especially uh, when it translates to um, uh, user experience feedback. Uh, How do you, uh, uh, there are all sorts of opinions that go directly into the product. And while that might speak to one kind of a customer really strongly, it's going to speak very weakly to another customer and you're just decreasing your uh, customer base, your revenue, your metrics, right? So, Sometimes we just think of these things, the biases that are there or stereotyping certain kinds of ideas. We just think that these are all soft skills or the social aspects of engineering. But um, I agree with Josephine to uh, to say that, you know, they're not, they actually translate. Of course, they affect the culture and they also affect your numbers. They are gonna affect your productivity. They're gonna directly affect how your customer perceives your product. And it might not show in the short term, probably not in the three months window, six months window, but two years from now, uh, the way the people perceive your product will definitely be affected by it. So definitely, you know, like, uh, uh I think the summary is that we need, as leaders, we need to keep an eye uh, to make sure that uh, this is not happening inside our teams, set the right examples, and then maybe through our uh, good intentions and work, we can influence the rest of the company as well. So yeah, thank you for those questions. I like this. I like the engagement and collaborative and even listening to your thoughts. So keep them coming.
0: Yes. Thank you, Josephine, thank you. Feel free to chime in again later. Um, I wanna also ask you a question actually. I spoke last year in San Francisco about the importance of emotional intelligence and inclusive community in the workplace. (laughs) And it was great because like jaws were dropped and I'm like, yeah, you know, you can't just be behind the computer all day and not like be interacting with people or be like in touch with yourself. Because in, in my opinion, that's totally irresponsible. You don't have, and that, in my opinion, could also charge people to generalize, right? Because they don't have that uh, empathy or that emotional intelligence to not generalize. I, I would love to hear your opinion on, on that, like bringing in empathy and emotional intelligence as a leader and especially, you know, in the tech world.
1: Yes. Thank you for that question. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Uh, I'm tempted to say, uh, uh, and uh, there might be some comments from this, I'm happy to take it, but I almost feel emotional intelligence, the EQ factor is more important than the IQ factor, you know, because uh, it goes a long way. And especially as a leader, if I really think about it, right, Um, and uh, I was coming to this job from being an IC, and it was a fairly successful one. So, you know, I kept thinking in the IC model, and then I became a manager. Um, for me, it was always about when I started off, it was just about being results oriented, getting more goals on my roadmap and more goals met. Meant uh, you know uh, me being more successful as a manager, and that's how I measured myself. Uh, but then you know, like it was, it was not being very effective. We were still delivering very aggressively, but I felt like my team was um, not really bringing their best to the table, and there was so much more potential. And that's when I really thought about this, and I strongly feel that as an as an engineering manager. I'm not creating those results myself, you know, it's my people who are creating these results for me and I'm responsible for my people. So, you know, it definitely requires me to be technical and, you know, ask the right questions and uh, know what your team's building and all that. But um, all the more important is how are my people feeling are they stressed out? Uh, Do I know them? Am I trying to understand them through my one-on-ones, through my feedback sessions, through my coaching sessions? Um, Am I really being empathetic towards them? Do I have those levels of sensitivities and sensibilities towards my people? That is what will get the uh, culture running in the long term. And if you really want to build a high-performance team uh, and in the long term, this is what I like to concentrate on. So definitely emotional intelligence, um, you know, it, it, it goes a long way if, we, and there are so many ways we can practice this, right? Um, one thing that I'm, I try to do is, I try to be comfortable with my vulnerabilities because that time I'm, I'm establishing more trust and credibility with my team. Um, I try to uh, listen more carefully, you know, am I really listening? Am I giving feedback to my team that I'm listening well? Am I taking notes? Am I taking action on those notes? Uh, This is all how we practice emotional intelligence, right? Because otherwise it's a very big word. And how do we tactically put it in practice every day? For me, this is what it is. And being authentic, you know, like uh, just uh, uh, one of the things that I say to my team is uh, when you're sharing feedback, Uh, try to keep it as authentic as possible. Don't worry too much about making it nice, gift wrapping it, or, you know, like rounding off the edges. No, keep it authentic. Of course, keep it nice because we are all human beings and we want to be nice to each other, but let's not really compromise on the crux of what we want to say. And this is how you really show that you care, right? Um, How do you show people that you empathize uh, with them? You're there for them. and build that sense of community around the team. And what is a team otherwise, right? It's a bunch of really interesting people with different kinds of strengths and weaknesses uh, who could not accomplish this by themselves. But as a team, we are really very good as a puzzle because our strengths and weaknesses are complementary and our collective intelligence is what is making us go all the way and as a leader practicing that emotional intelligence honing it every day I'm not perfect at it but I'm working on it you know so I think we all of us can do a little bit better every single day if you are observing if we are uh, so, uh, uh, even small things like how we write our emails what are the things we say in the meeting uh, how do we end meetings how do we start meetings how do we acknowledge someone when they have said something in a meeting, all these things go a long way. So um, emotional intelligence, especially in today's day, where where there are remote teams, geographically distributed teams, if you are not striving to understand each other, how can we even think of having a team? How can we even uh, think of accomplishing something so complex that we're all trying to build uh, these days, right? So it all starts with the people and how do you emotionally connect with them? Mm, That's my take on it. And if you think about it like this, your entire company is your team. You know, you're being of service to each other. Your entire company should be like your team. Um, So, you know, uh, instead of getting siloed out and instead of uh, bringing those ego uh, into the equation, saying that this is my team, we are going to deliver. Of course, you need to do that. But can you think about the company? Can you think about bringing your leadership as a service to the entire company? How can you be there for your team? As you know uh, your stakeholders, your direct reports, everyone. So, yeah, it's it's such such an important question.
0: I want to like like throw digital confetti. I love that response. (laughs) I see Jen, you want to chime in. Yeah.
2: Well, the thing that I, I just think about a lot from the, from the very first question and then a lot of how you've been talking about Amelika is that it fits so well, this theme of it's not a binary, right? Like, so I lead a marketing department and necessarily we have to group our audiences together at a certain level. We're not doing one-to-one communications in most times. And I'm sure, you know, on the product development side, you're building it for some user personas, but that doesn't mean that we have to treat everyone as the, like, there's a time and place to have that mentality. And myself as a leader, I have, I've, been trying to um not just do it for myself but talk about it with my team of like right now we need to be thinking about these groups and what's going to be appealing to the persona but that's not how we treat each other and when we're in a meeting we're not just saying like oh the sales team you know how those guys are you know and because sometimes they are like that let's be honest but um it's not always like that it's not the product team's fault it's not the marketing team's fault it's it's, okay, how do we approach this as a group? How is our company being a team? Um, and there's a time where we do need to think that way, but it's not a binary. And I do think sometimes, especially if you're in that execution level work, um, it gets really easy to just think about like, this is persona A I'm yes. talking to and all people are the same in that group. And you, use, you lose that humanity, you, you lose the EQ, you're doing the IQ too much, right? Um, and I it just, it, everything... It, about this topic just really resonates for me because I think um, people really are looking for that simplicity of like, tell me what to do. It's a yes or no answer. You're this or you're that. And it's almost never that case, you know, like everything's in the gray.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> this is the advantage of really getting to know your thoughts, because uh, one of the main things about keeping it open-ended is so that we can get more people like you to voice your opinions. And it just uh, leads to such uh, an interesting turn in the conversation. What you said is so true. You know, I'm going to quickly uh, comment on this because I relate with it as well. Um, uh, if, especially if, um, you know, um, if people see you um, in one of those uh personas, right, Um, uh, it's in that situation, it's in that context, and almost it's like they expect you to not be in another persona, because somehow they think of it as a binary. I'll give you an example, like, for example, so many times I'm expected to be very, um, like, if I am sure about something, uh, you know, when I'm executing a certain strategy, I need to be aggressive uh, about advocating that solution but at the same time uh, i'm also that person who's very comfortable with my vulnerabilities and that's something that i believe in right so and these two almost seem like opposites sometimes uh, to the outside world how can you be so fiercely uh, advocative about an idea in one meeting where you are you know you are uh, you you're very very passionately talking about something and then in another room in another meeting you're so vulnerable and you are. I'm not uh, shy to come across as vulnerable at all. So it's almost like, uh, you know, it's not acceptable, but I really think that's what makes you a great leader. You know, uh, it's always the context, it's the situation, you know what you have to be uh, at different points of time and that self-awareness, you know, from what Jen was saying, what I was hearing was, such a, such a comment can come from someone who's self-aware, right? They know what they're doing at that point of time. They've studied the pros and cons. And they just feel like, you know, they have the power to bring in this um, uh, persona at this point of time because it's going to... Um, kind of speak more loudly for this situation. And I think we need to practice that more as leaders. Um, It's very important. And even otherwise, you know, outside work, um, you know, it's okay to be a painter and be a kick-ass programmer. It's it's okay to be creative. Yeah, you you can be making macrame hangers and the most creative person in the world and you can be very passionate about performance, about GraphQL, about, you know, um, how can you improve this particular library. I think we should foster that in ourselves, you know, like all those different schools of thought. Just wait out if it's true for you and practice it. So thank you, Jen, for that comment
0: absolutely absolutely so anyone else also if anyone wants to comment feel free to drop in the chat box or you can take yourself off of mute at any time we want you to chime in we want to hear your voice uh for now i'm going to flag a couple of uh, things that have been written in the chat box um in respect to uh what are some of your core values to that question that i put in the chat box so uh brandy here has written for me it's around a focus on strengths versus weaknesses and collaboration over competition i've been in so many environments where they elevate the person who is the unique overachiever or are so focused on winning or being the best, and there is a lot of hype and posturing. Did you want to comment on that, Malika? Uh,
1: Yes, I am just synthesizing that. uh, synthesize, is- take
0: your time. I want to also say this is her practicing emotional intelligence, like not coming up with the answer right away because she's human, you know.
1: <laughs> yes. Where is that comment once again, uh, Mariella? I'm so just you- going to read this. Or can you read
0: that quickly yeah. once again? Please? I'll read it one more time. No problem. And Brandy, also feel free to come off of mute if you want. Um, so in response to uh, the question, what are some of your core values? Brandy has written for me. It's around a focus on strengths versus weaknesses and collaboration over competition. I've been in so many environments where they elevate the person who is the unique overachiever or are so focused on winning or being the best and there is a lot of hype or posturing.
1: Yes, yes, uh, no. Uh, I, I agree with uh, this point where you know collaboration is very important. Uh, the reason so many times we forget, see, the thing is, I, I look at it like this, okay? As engineering managers uh, or as leaders, even, we have certain deliverables, right? So it's very easy for us to get, uh, get lost in that journey where we say, oh my God, three months from now, this is the roadmap I need to deliver. My team is going to look very good. They're going to get featured in the all hands. My, my team is going to get talked about. These are all the things, even as a good manager, even if you're thinking about the team, sometimes the focus becomes performance sometimes the focus becomes deliverables, right? Um, why? Because that's easy to measure for us. It's easy to measure performance. It's easy to measure um, you know, uh, how much who is doing, how many pull requests did each of my engineers uh, merge. It's easy to measure this, but it's very difficult to measure empathy. It's so difficult to measure collaboration. It's difficult to measure what is the value that these um, things really bring to the team. And um, I agree with this point that, you know, it's um, strengths versus weaknesses, right? We, uh, good leaders always know that everyone, including themselves, has their own set of strengths and weaknesses. So there is no need to, um, especially in front of everyone else, to concentrate on the weaknesses, right? Because it's a given, all of us are human beings. The the reason that we are walking in, um, a human body that means that we are imperfect to a large extent so you know what's the point of highlighting strengths uh, uh, of one person versus the other as if to make a point that you know someone else doesn't have it or someone else needs to step up um i don't think that will work in the long term that's not the right way to reward the team so the way i understand this question is uh, collaboration is number one important because when you're talking about the team, it's about what are the team incentives? How are they looking out for each other? When push comes to shove, and trust me there, it's going to come, you will have low days. Uh, you will have stressful days. That time, will your team think about each other? Is there a team incentive for them to do that? As a group, do they want to march forward? Or are they thinking about themselves all the time? Because that's going to reduce the level of respect in the team, the fairness index, also um, uh, uh, the overall culture uh, index inside the team. So if you're collaborating well, if you have a team incentive, if you're rewarding the right kind of actions, That's going to go a long way uh, for us. And this just rewards around what are you rewarding as a leader? You know, what is it? Are you just rewarding high performance or when someone is uh, doing uh, collaborative code reviews? uh, If you are writing your sentences nicely, let's say there is a new hire in your team and you need to do a code review. uh, A tech lead in your team needs to do the code review. Is he being a difficult person to work with or is he making the experience of that new hire easier? Uh, are you influencing your uh, junior employees? Um, are you really setting, up for, setting them up for success? All this is about collaboration, right? So that's a wonderful col- core value to have. In fact, I feel without that, how can you even build a team? So great comment. Thanks for that.
0: Yes. Thank you for that, Brandy. Uh, and then we have just someone, Josephine has commented on, on your response. It makes me think of basic economics. We have to consider the opportunity cost of anything we do. So we have to treasure the people we can trade with and that level of collaboration. The same is true within an office. We shouldn't micromanage and fail to delegate. It also makes me think of how we have decided what are, quote, essential jobs in our current environment. That's a great point, Josephine. It's a great point.
1: Yes, yes. In fact, I see there is one more question around delegation, and it made me really think when I was forming my thoughts for this talk. Uh, But I totally agree. You know, effective delegation um, is a necessity for good leaders, especially when you have more on your plate and, uh, you know, you want to be really effective in your role on what are all your high leverage activities. Uh, It is effective delegation. Of course, how you do it matters. What are the mechanics of effective delegation is really up to your execution strategies. But micromanaging, you know, uh, maybe you should think about if it's the, Uh, I would even say, think about if this is what you want to do. Do you really want to be be a manager? If you have tendencies to micromanage, maybe you you want to be a tech lead, right? Uh, Maybe you want to be more uh, towards the implementation or where the action is happening. Maybe just like reconsider your critical thinking processes and see what's right for you. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that's what I would say, because micromanaging, it's not going to take you too far. Um, It's going to fail and your team's going to take the brunt of it. So might as well think about it now than later.
0: Yes, you are dropping so much knowledge. And actually, Brandy had a follow-up question. Uh, Malika, I'm curious how your vulnerability shows up. Maybe Mm -hmm. some, maybe some more specifics uh, about the (laughs) examples you shared earlier.
1: Okay, I'll give you more examples, you know, uh, uh, you'll see, you'll see how, um, how much I value uh, being comfortable with vulnerabilities. One of the basic things that used to happen to me, and it still happens, and it's a really, really simple one. Um, I come from India, and uh, most of my schooling has been in English, no doubt about it. And, you know, I've never had any problems with English or grammar or anything like that. But 12 years ago, I come to the US to do my master's, and And I had never, ever watched any English TV shows or anything like that. I wasn't exposed to that. So I didn't know the colloquial um, side of things, you know, some of the phrases that... um, people use or, uh, you know, certain references. I was new to that. And um, in, in group settings, uh, even when I was interning or when I came back as a full time, even in professional settings, um, there would be so much I wouldn't understand. You know, it's not like I'm not understanding English, but uh, you you gave a reference to something in uh, football. And I, I I don't know how to relate to the current uh, situation. And I would ask questions, I would kill the joke, uh, or, you know, I would be like, what does that mean? Because I wanted to give a genuine reaction, right? Like, I didn't want to laugh if I did not understand the joke, or I did not want to keep quiet, because these people seemed like they were making interesting points. So all these things would go on in my mind. And I would either come across as, you know, this person who's asking a lot of questions or killing the joke or taking away the humor from the situation, but I was comfortable doing that because I wanted to respect the authenticity, you know, because these were important people to me. I wanted to understand what they were saying and I wanted to give a genuine reaction. You know, I didn't want to fake it. I didn't want to fake uh, that I was, I understood the joke or... I did not want to fake it that I understood the context of that comment. So, you know, language, right? Language was one place where um, I was coming across as vulnerable and sometimes it would show up at work. Um, It was not very easy for me to be uh, proactively um, uh, in the conversations or, uh, you know, like uh, come across as smart. Uh, when I'm making certain points, um, you know, uh, maybe I didn't have those. uh, uh, I didn't have a humor uh, to my style. um, Or even in the meeting, some people are really very uh, smart about how they say certain things. So that that that's been a difficulty for me but i'm very i wear it on my sleeve you know this is who i am this is my style uh, but why i do that is not because i don't want to learn your way i'm not uh, i'm not being a jerk about it it's just that um, i will lose something if i start doing it i lose that authenticity i lose that honesty and i want to retain that in a way that you know um, i also understand your point of view so that's one simple thing another place it has really shown up is um, Um, You know, uh, uh, in places where I'm expected to know everything, sometimes to make decisions, and I don't know it. As a manager, uh, when I'm leading a team and it's very high performance and we we are a high growth startup, there are so many things that I don't know at a level of details that maybe my staff engineer knows or my tech lead knows, right? So that comes up all the time in my job where I keep it authentic. I don't act as if I have all the answers. I know what I don't know. And that's a vulnerability for me. It's very uncomfortable sometimes that, you know, I'm in a leadership position and I don't have all the answers. But how I go about uh, fixing this is important, right? So what I do is, um, first of all, I'm like, you know, I need to make a decision. I need more data points. Can we have a quick 15 minute huddle? Can you tell me what's going on? Uh, Can you tell me uh, what I should know to be effective in my decision-making, then take feedback, right? Uh, uh, always have well wishers inside the team, outside workplace, who can give you the right feedback uh, so that you can be effective in your role. So there are always ways to fix uh, a vulnerability that you have. But um, for me, what's important is not letting go of that authenticity, you know? And there's a fine line being... Um, complacent and striving for excellence, just find out that balance for you, you know, celebrate those small wins, pat yourself on the back when you're doing good um, and um, vulnerabilities are going to be there and it'll take some time to kind of if, even if you want to fix it it'll take some time to fix it but meanwhile, be authentic about it you know, just be okay with it um, and it's very normal, that's what gives you the strength that's where the strength will really come from in being effective So, yeah, thanks for asking that question. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. What a beautiful response. We have so much practice as just in general uh, on a human race level uh, to practice that, being more vulnerable uh, and giving space to find that, that authenticity. So I thank you for challenging us um, to To find the balance, and that is key, finding the balance right um, jen i 'd love for you to explain a little more here and what you um, wrote in the chat uh, I, uh, I love i 'd love to hear uh, directly from you on this um,
1: about
2: the consequence of the binary yeah that was the thing when Brandy had that comment of like the hype and posturing because i i mean. I've said that in a comment too, like a recovering overachiever, like I identify with a lot of that stuff and what you're talking about of like being um, vulnerable. And now that I, uh, I mean, this was several years ago now, but my boss, when I was new to this leadership role, he's like, you're the most senior marketing person in the Chicago office. No question you have is a bad question. Like you deserve answers to every question you have, even if it's a dumb question. And that at the time was more just me getting comfortable with that leadership position. But it was a good reminder, and I've come back to that a few times of like, no, you can you can ask those questions. You don't have to be hyping yourself up and know the answer because because I knew the answer in this meeting doesn't mean I have to know it in the next meeting. And that's something that I put a lot of pressure on myself. I don't think um, I mean some people might have expected it, but it was an unrealistic expectation, and I don't think anyone was doing it to me, you know, I was doing it to myself. And so it's not always the empathy I'm trying to give to other people Mm. in this, some of them are gunners, right? That competitive nature is there, they are trying to be the loudest person in the room. And it's hard to have empathy in those cases. But I know for myself, a lot of the times I was doing that poor behavior was because Mm. I was just fake it till you make it. Okay, I'm in charge, I need the answer. I'm a little insecure, but I'm going to put something out there and that's not what you need to do. There's so much more power and the effective delegation, you know, like it gives someone else the chance to say it. Like I, as I've been in this longer, I'm now 10-12 years older than a lot of the people on my team and I failed to recognize that they might be intimidated to say something. If I don't give space, they won't take it. And I sometimes have to call them out, you know, like um, and say like, "Hey Taylor, what do you think about this?" So that they have that that platform. And if I'm sitting there trying to be the smartest person in the room when I'm clearly not, that's setting a bad example,
3: and it's hurting my team. Yeah, work. I just can I just pop in and say something. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Brandy, hi. Um, I'm out walking my dog right now. <laughs> um, so the point you made Jen about like being gunners I think that's actually and and it's hard because in the (laughs) in the question I was typing I wanted to say programmer you know which I don't want to say that because yes it's funny but it's also kind of like it's othering and but I think maybe gunners is a little more helpful I don't know but the point is like I think it just goes back to something that was stated earlier Malika about like what you said about like looking into the company's values, and if that's their, you know, if that's their value in the marketplace, if that's their company values and how they position themselves is that highly competitive? We're the best. We're the most awesome gunners, I guess. Then that's the environment, and I, you know, sadly.
0: Oh, Brandy, we're losing you a little bit, but I think we, I think we got the, the crux of what you were saying. Malika, do you want to chime in? Uh, do you want to chime in until she gets her service back? Let me try to mute her really
3: quickly. Yes. Yes, definitely. So,
1: you know, I I so agree with this. Most of the times we pay a lot of attention to the high potentials and the overachievers. And uh, we think that, you know, at least, um, um, I don't want to generalize it, but at least I've been working in the valley for about 10 years now. And that's the culture, right? It's cutthroat, it's algorithmic, it's like, you know, performance is the most valued uh, quality. So uh, I don't think that's the right way to go about it, because uh, if you are planning to build a company for the next years, twenty years, thirty years, and you're really uh, interested in adding that value to the world through the product, um, then um, you know it's not just a game about being a high achiever, being the unicorns in the team or uh, you know, concentrating on the high potentials, right? Um, what is going to really matter in the end is, um, uh, you know, uh, did, you, uh, did you make sure that you set the right problems, right goals? Were you solving uh, the right problems uh, from the beginning uh, as a company? That's what's going to matter. And then who are your people? What, how did you hire? Uh, uh, what's the culture that you're building? Those two are the most important ingredients for a company's success, among many other things. So as leaders, it's always about providing that air cover. It's not just about fostering performance. Um, You know, first of all, it's about not working for a company where your core value is not matching. You know, if if you believe in the overall culture, the long term success of the team, and if you think through your interview sessions, through your conversations with the hiring manager, with the various people that you talk to, if that's not coming across to you, trust your gut and it's you can take a little bit less of a compensation home, that's totally okay, but don't work for a team that you, you're not proud of or you don't agree with on a core level, that's going to hurt you on a daily basis right, 8 hours, nine, 10 hours a day you're making a compromise that you shouldn't be making, so that's what I would say and the, and the, th- the, the thing that we can practice as leaders is, um, it's not just about performance, you know, to be a really good leader. um, It's about uh, providing that buffer, that air cover for your team so that they can bring their best selves and not just bring their best selves. Are they thinking about improving themselves? Are they thinking about self-improvement? Are they thinking about the grander questions of human life? Do you want to seek uh, better answers? Are you curious? Uh, Do you see a value in being authentic? The same should translate to your vocation as well, right? Those are the grand questions that should uh, guide us. And then uh, does your leader, does your manager allow you to bring those things to the table on a daily basis? Um, That's very important. I think from my experience, the little experience that I have and I've seen, um, if a leader is concentrating too much just on the performance aspect of the team, it's not going to fly well in the long term. Maybe one year, yes, you will see the results. Um, maybe a couple of years. After that, you not even that long, you will start seeing the signs very quickly and it will start crumbling down. And what happens is they will leave the company, right? Leaders will uh, go to other companies, but your team will be there. The product is still building. It's going to affect the company. So just be mindful about the decisions you're making, but it's, it's not just about, you know, the compensation that you're taking home or the growth that you have for yourself. You're actually affecting a lot of other people as a leader. So it's very important for us to be mindful of that.
0: Absolutely. And I think Brandy had some connection issues, so I'm sure she'll hear your response when she either joins back or watches the recording. Uh, I do want to flag one great question here in the chat box. Um, who are your top manager icons or role models to put you on the
1: spot? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, you know, um, I'll start with a little bit of uh, you know, historical context. I have always been hugely influenced by my dad. You know, He was in a leadership role. He actually led the space program in India. Um, uh, there is a NASA equivalent in India, which is the Indian Space Research Organization. Um, so uh, he was in a leadership role. And he would come home and talk about you know, some of the dynamics and the problems that he, uh, the difficult decisions that he had to make, or when he grew in his career and he became a CEO and he was leading a big team just hearing those stories influenced me a lot and uh, he was a big uh, uh, advocate of servant leadership you know it it had just started uh, gaining a lot of importance and he would talk about that and I would not understand anything but I would be like wow this sounds fantastic it's like Two different contrary um, sounding things. Right. How can a leader be a servant, but it always caught my attention. So it dates back to them. I think um, parents, you know, like it goes a long way Uh, if they can be your good role models just by the actions that they do on a daily basis that does affect Um, Having said that, um, my other role models are, uh, I really like Jack Dorsey's leadership. I'm like a huge fan of, uh, it just connects very personally to me, the business decisions, the leadership things, the way he comes out and says certain things about the product, the decisions, um, uh, the the fair amount of authenticity that I kind of see in his talks, uh, in his interviews that appeals to me. Uh, Paul Graham, uh, he's a great leader, uh, uh, the one who runs uh, Y Combinator. Um, So Paul Graham, I I love reading his essays, his blogs, his clarity of thought. You know, that's one of the qualities that leaders should have. Uh, How clear are your instructions? How clear is your thought processes? Are you spending enough time critically thinking about some of the basic uh, human questions, right? Because that's going to translate in the way you lead your people. So Paul Graham, and if someone's not heard of him, please look him up. Uh, Great guy. Um, He also wrote this book book called as um, um... Uh, 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 painters and programmers or something like that. You'll find a reference to that. It's a fantastic book. Uh, He's a painter himself. He went to Rhode Island to study painting. And of course, he's, you know, a tech guy. So that's a great book to understand defined binaries and what all you can be. So Paul Graham for sure. And um, uh, Ratan Tata, you know, he is an Indian leader. He also has built an empire in India, doing a lot of good to the people, practices a lot of community belief, uh, he's a great leader uh, in the in Indian diaspora and even you know a, a world class leader, Ratan Tata. If you want, I can uh, share all of this uh, in the uh, chat uh, window as well. Um, Absolutely.
0: I think if you, so when we send our rewatch email, if you can include these references yes. because I'm also interested as well in, in reading and, and researching. Um, I can because,
1: even, yeah, yes. definitely.
0: Yes, yes, we can see just like the enthusiasm and the inspiration coming radiating out of you as you speak about these idols that you have, so makes me interested to learn more. Um, hackers and painters hackers ha- and
1: painters okay, yes. thank you, thank you. <laughs>
0: Great. Okay, so we have just under ten minutes here left. So I just want to flag that with everyone and let everyone know. You know, if you haven't had a chance to take yourself off of mute, now's the time. If you have uh, something that you want to uh, to talk about before we wrap up, now is your time to shine. Uh, Until then, I'll move on to this next question. It's and it's great because I spoke with you offline. Saying, you know, um, the the a successful chat is, you know, if 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 everyone is talking about just a couple of slides, that's a successful chat. We don't need to plow through for the sake of getting through them. So, actually, I would love to touch on this question a little bit. How did you fall into this leadership niche? And I know that you talked about your mentors and your father, um, and and you talked a little bit about your studies. Um, do you have any advice for people who might not yet be in that uh, niche or maybe for people who are already in that niche and they you know, want to grow more, but they might have you know, some things going against them? I would love for you to kind of round out this chat by, by speaking about that. Um, and then, of course, if anyone wants to chime in, now's your time to shine as well.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I, w- I love it that it's engaging. This conversation is just so much more effective if people are thinking about it and you guys are sharing your opinions, so thank you for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, leadership, right? Uh, so for this answer, uh, to just kind of structure my thoughts, I'll start from the top and go all the way to the bottom and see if that applies to, you know, to you guys. Um, for me, it was always about the bigger question. Uh, you know, uh, I was, I want to do well for Myself And by doing well, I mean, uh, I want to solve interesting problems in my life. You know, I feel like uh, the human uh, life is all about expanding your potential, seeking uh, better answers, being curious, um, and really expanding your uh, thought processes, right? And every day is an opportunity for that. Okay, so that's the first principle that guides me on a daily basis, that there is so much to learn and grow and be effective and uh, like that bring value to the community, right? Um, Because the more effective you are, the bigger the effect uh, that you can bring to your community and you can be helpful uh, if you are thinking about bigger problems, um, so that really is my first principle. It started with this. So I'm definitely very ambitious and I take my career very seriously and uh, I love what I do, right? It's not like someone forced me into doing this. I love computer science. I love the people that I work with. Every company that I've chosen is proactively chosen. So um, it's not like I'd rather be doing anything else in my life. I was at this uh, place in my life where, you know, I had to decide, um, I was about eight years into being an IC. I, you know, I was, uh, 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 I worked for very good companies. I had uh, had written a lot of core backend code. Um, now, the time was to decide, okay, do I need to go into tech leadership? Uh, like being a tech lead, staff engineer, tech lead, principal engineer, that kind of a stream. Or do I want to become an engineering manager, uh, be, being responsible for people? Basically, I wanted to grow my career and then i wanted to see what i was going to be more effective with for this there was only one guiding principle for me i wanted to understand myself more you know what is it that i'm naturally attracted to and i i spent a when when i had this question as to you know what stream do i need to take to become a leader. Either ways, I wanted to go into a leadership role. But what was it? Like, uh, was it tech leadership, pure tech leadership or engineering management? For me, the answer to that was observing myself. I spent about one or two months just observing myself. What did I like? Were people draining me? Were the conversations with people stressing me out? Or was I enjoying them? Was I enjoying coaching and feedback sessions with my people? I'd already started doing that. Um, And then I paid attention to uh, where was the natural alignment i loved uh, growing people finding more opportunities for them being getting them to be more effective in their roles that gave me a joy so i was like hey i'm already dealing with people you know all of us are dealing with people um at uh, to some point uh, in our career right uh, to some degree so um Why don't I uh, be also responsible for their success? Why can't I uh, be responsible for their performance? Why can't I affect them through coaching and feedback? Why can't I translate my actions to uh, bring benefit to them directly, right? Because as a tech lead, I would be more responsible for the product side of things, the design, the architecture, the performance. But as an engineering manager, I would need to care about the technicalities as well, but more about the people. And that's what really interests me. So for me, it was about going for something that you are naturally aligned to because when when you're having a bad day, the more aligned you are, the less stressful it will be. So, you know, find those jobs which don't feel like jobs too much, right? There is at least least some amount of natural alignment so that um, it's for you, you know, you're cut out for that and you will know it. It'll, and how you will know it is by critically thinking and consciously spending some time understanding yourself, become becoming more self-aware. That's very important. And it will serve you well as a leader as well. Now, why leadership? Because uh, it, it, everyone is a leader in their own capacities, I feel. Even a software engineer who's just like one month into his role all the way to, you know, ICs, everyone, right? They have leadership opportunities as spouses, as brothers, sisters, as daughters. Uh, We have leadership opportunities to show those traits on a daily basis. So just recognize that it's not a job, it's not a title, right? It's a service, it's, uh, it's, it's like, uh, like Brandy's uh, mentioned, like Jen mentioned, it's more about the collaborative aspect of it. So if you're already showing those leadership traits, why not bring it to your vocation, right? Why not translate it to your career? So I was more interested in doing that. I was seeing that, you know, I could bring these traits together and really bring a benefit to my team. And it was my vocation that I would spend like eight to 10 hours. Why not just do it as a job, you know? So that's how. And most of the times it won't fall into your lap. You will have to go looking for it. And the more proactive it is, the better. Uh, And we are all here, hopefully, for a long and successful career, right? 20 years, 30 years, 40 years from now. What's your network? What are you doing? Um, You know, what are you doing um, when you're in your 50s, 60s? uh, Do you still have that enthusiasm to work? Were you thinking about it when you are in your thirties and forties? Are you planning for a long and successful career? That's what one should be thinking about. And this is a very deep question. So if you, if we will not be able to cover everything, so please feel free to reach out to me either via LinkedIn, I write on Medium, and my email addresses with you guys. I'm really. Um, Very, uh, very much looking forward to connecting with you and taking this discussion offline and being there for you guys in any which way I can. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Thank
0: you so much, Malika. I'm so honored to have shared this last hour with you. I'm sure that our live callers are as well. I've learned so much. Um, and and the, re- the rewatch email that everyone's going to get, we'll be sure to add the links because I know you had some resources, some links and things like that. So hold tight on those. You'll receive it on the rewatch email. Thank you so much, Malika, for taking time out of your busy schedule. You're such an inspiration. Thank you everyone who's joined us live. Uh, and we'll see you all on the next chat and learn. Thank you all. Have a great day. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye.